You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Amen. Well, good morning, beloved. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 12 is where we're going to be looking today. And today is Family Worship Sunday, so it's good to have the elementary kiddos in with, in with us today. And kids, take notes, follow along in your Bibles. I see you've got them. You can look on with your, with your parents or your grandparents, whoever you're sitting with. And you're going to be able to follow with everything I'm saying today. So no, no worries. You're, you, you won't fall asleep. You'll, you'll be okay. As we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching us what it looks like to follow him how to live as disciples of Christ. And this is one thing that is so important as we think about being a a follower of Jesus. Christianity, this is what Jesus is teaching us through the Sermon on the Mount. Christianity isn't just about a profession of faith in Jesus. Okay? Christianity isn't just about having a profession of faith in Jesus. It's not just saying you believe in Jesus and then moving on and doing whatever it is that you feel like you want to do. Christianity is trusting Jesus alone for salvation, believing in his death and resurrection for your sins alone. And then what comes after that is following Jesus, walking with him. We begin with faith, and then that faith, we proceed in it. We walk in faith. The faith that we have in the risen Christ has has feet to it. It takes us places with Jesus. And that's what he's showing us in the Sermon on the Mount. Here's how my disciples live. And here's how I'm empowering you to live. And today's verse, I am convinced of the urgency of it and the importance of it. I'm just going to do a one sermon on, on this verse because I think it is so vital for us today to really learn to live the golden rule. Today's teaching is so immediately relevant to our lives. And I think if we would all really believe it and really grab it, we would change the way we live. It's, and when I think about just my life in the past three, four years, and very recently, this verse has really changed the way I think about so many things. It's changed the way I parent, or the way at least I want to parent. It's changed the way I act as a husband, and the ways I want to act as a husband. Change the way I work, even the way I respond to text messages and emails. These words from Jesus are meant to change every area of our lives, and it will. It will if you submit to Jesus in it, and that's exactly what he wants for us. So let's, let's hear from Christ. As we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. And we're going to begin in verse 11. Just get a little context. Jesus, we saw last week, talked about praying, ask, seek, and knock, and our generous Father. And we'll read to verse 14. So let's listen to the words of Christ. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is also the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. There are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate. 
and how difficult the road that leads to life. And few find it. Let's pray together. King Jesus, help us walk the narrow road with you. That we would see your bloody footprints in front of us. And walk right in line with you. Help us now, Lord, to, to live your teachings. Not just know that they're in the Bible and not just know that that's what you teach, but that we would actually believe you and have faith in you and trust you and follow you now. So help us, King Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I feel like every kid in the room is going to agree with everything I say. And adults whose palates are really in tune will agree with what I'm about to say as well. Cookie cake is one of the best cakes. That's the most Pentecostal our church has ever been. Right then, in that, in that moment. It's discouraging at the same time. A- after cheesecake, which is not a pie, it is a cake. After cheesecake and after red velvet cake, you can't beat a cookie cake. And Natalie, my wife, her birthday was on Friday, and her work got her a giant cookie cake. But not just any cookie cake. It was a double doozy cookie cake. (laughs) Amen. Let the hearers who have ears to hear hear what the Spirit says. If you don't know what a double doozy cake is, it is is a cookie. And then with all the icing on top, a layer, and then another cookie on top, and then more icing on top. It is a cavity creator. It's amazing. They're insanely good. And yesterday we're enjoying the leftovers, and we come home from Ivy soccer game, and they are ripping open the Tupperware, and it was like a pack of hyenas on a carcass. They're just diving in to this box of leftover slices of this cookie cake, and Oliver and Ivy grab their giant pieces, and I'm like, hey, you, you scavengers, leave me something. I go over, there's one piece left. I'm like, man. So I go to pick it up, and Natalie says, hey, I, we, I haven't had one leftover. Like, can we split it? It's just a kind, godly woman. It's her birthday cake. She's like, we can, I'll, I'll share it with you, Jeff. I'm like, thank you. She leaves the room, turns her back, whatever, and I'm looking at the slice of cake that's left for us to split. There's a dilemma. No matter how I slice this bad boy, one of us is getting a lot of icing, and one of us is not. And the other dilemma is that she doesn't know the predicament. So I could totally split it in half, take the heavy icing, just eat it real quick, and then deliver her piece, and she would never know. And stories from the Old Testament, like Solomon, were coming to mind. Split the cookie in half, and we'll see its true owner, and uh, all this stuff. And, <laughs> and then the golden rule rings in my ears. Whatever you want done for you, do for others. This is Yesterday. I know what I'm preaching today. This comes into my mind. I say, okay, Lord, I'm splitting the cookie. And I'm going to tell I'm going to give Natalie the good icing side. And I tell Natalie, Natalie, I, you know, the Lord really spoke to me about this. I'm, I'm blowing my trumpet, you know, right now. And um, I'd, I'd, be, and I'd be lying if I didn't hope that she was going to say, oh, Jeff, that's so kind. You have that slice. You take it. She looks at me and says, Jeff, I love that you love to serve me. <laughs> and just <laughs> See, beloved, why do I share that silly story? Not just because I needed an introduction, but there's another reason. 
why I share that silly story. Jesus is Lord over all. And Jesus is Lord even over our cookie splitting. Jesus is Lord over everything. That's what he's saying in this passage. I mean, look at what Jesus says at the end of verse 12. Whatever you want others to do, you do for them. And look, this is the law and the prophets. Jesus says, this teaching, this ethic, it is the summary of all of the laws in the Old Testament, all 613. Jesus says, I can boil them down for you to this. Do for others what you want done for you. This is the plot summary. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do for others what you wish they would do for you. And this is also the summary of everything Jesus has taught in the Sermon on the Mount. This is kind of the beginning of his conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. We saw last week where he talks about ask, seek, and knock, and you have a generous father who, who gives. And so Jesus is saying, look, do you remember how generous our father is? Therefore, that's where verse 12 begins. Since that's true, therefore you be generous to others. And then he, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount ends with this. Two paths, two foundations. He's saying, I've taught you all of these things, and there are really two choices now before you. The wide road that leads to destruction of not obeying me, not following me. And the narrow road that is difficult. It is difficult to follow the things I've given you. It is upside down in this world. It is against the grain. It is upstream. But that road leads, does lead to life. So do for others what you wish they would do for you. I want you to think, all we're going to talk about is this. We're going to do a, a, a meditation just on the golden rule. I want you to think about how brilliant this is. There are giant ethics textbooks in this world. Multi-volume works on moral ethics and responsibility. Situational ethics, university degrees, philosophy, dedicated to all of these kinds of things. So many issues, so many angles of how to think about life and situations. And Jesus says, I can give it to you in one sentence. Do for others what you want done for you. Beloved, this is something we desperately need in our day. I know we know it, especially if you grew up in church, you knew it, and you've got it on a pillow, you've got it on a wall, something. But it's gotta be in our lives, because think about how divided is our age right now? How much political attacking and nastiness goes on today? How, how much racism is still around in our culture? How, how, how much gossip goes on behind the scenes? And if we are disciples of the risen Christ, if we took these words seriously, we would begin to make the gospel non-ignorable. We would make Christ non-ignorable in our communities because people would see the Christians don't act like everybody else. How come you don't jump in and pile on at work? How come you, how come you don't gossip along with us? Like, what is, why, why are we so different? Here's why. Because of Jesus. Now, you may have heard this is called the golden rule. It's, it's not called the golden rule because it's in the Bible. That, that phrase is not in the Bible. And it's not called the golden rule because it's so valuable and so, so precious, though it is. Supposedly, it's called the golden rule because of an emperor who had Matthew 7, 12 inscribed in gold on the wall of his throne room. He knew how valuable and how much he needed to have this before him as it would dictate his ruling and authority. And we should do the same. Now, 
We don't have a bunch of gold laying around, so a sticky note on the fridge is good. A wallpaper on your, on your phone, background, it's good. And I want us to just think about how to apply this right now to our lives. Because sometimes I know we can, we can read the Bible and we go, okay, how do I apply this? How does this really hit me right now? We've got to wrestle with a passage going, how does this work? That is good wrestling and we should engage in that. And sometimes we read the Bible and it is immediately obvious right away. Like that first gray hair you ever got. Just one day, boom, kids, it's coming for you. I got one in my eyebrow, Weir, uh, weirdest of all, a gray, one gray eyebrow hair. I'm not plucking it, it's staying. It's a crown of glory, the Bible says. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Here's what we must see. We must actually live it. We must do the golden rule, and that do is bigger than don't do. So let's look at Jesus' words again in verse 12. Whatever, I mean, you could really meditate on each of these words. Just think about, what does he mean by whatever? Whatever you want others to to do for you, do, not just feel the same for them, not just think the same for them, but do also the same for them. Treat others how you want to be treated. Now, we've all heard stuff kind of like this before, uh, but do you notice the angle that Jesus brings to this? Almost every other kind of teaching that sounds like this is from a negative angle, a, a passive or a word of disengagement. Rabbi Hillel, which is around the same time of Jesus, says this. What is hateful, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. While the rest is commentary thereon, go and learn it. Do you see the difference between what Rabbi Hillel and what Jesus says? He says, don't do the mean, hateful things to people. Sure, yes. But that's passive. That's disengagement from doing. That does not propel you to love others. That just tells you to not be unloving towards others. Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm not telling you just don't. I'm telling you to do, to love, to be active. And we have our modern version of this that I heard growing up, that I'm sure most of us heard growing up, and that maybe your own kids here growing up. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. That's a modern Rabbi Hillel. Jesus would say, say something nice to others. And if you can't, repent and think of something nice to say to others. See, Jesus calls us to more. He calls us to something bigger, better, positive, active, engaging. Don't just avoid doing the hateful. Do the good that you want done for you. Don't just avoid saying mean things. Say kind, nice, caring, encouraging, loving things. And sometimes as Christians, we focus on the don't do's of Christianity. There are lots of those, of course. But we should never focus on one more than the other. But listen, if you believe Jesus died for your sins and rose again from the dead, then listen, you are free from the power of sin. And all of those don'ts are right. We don't have to give in to temptation. We don't have to sin. We, we don't have to take vengeance. We don't have to return evil for evil. It is right. But listen, beloved, that is only half of the equation. That is only half of the blessings of the gospel. If you believe Jesus is your crucified and risen Lord, he's empowered you for all of the do's in the Christian life. 
Do love others. Do love your enemies. Do pray for those who dislike you. Do care about orphans and widows. Do pursue justice. Do good for others. Do you see the difference? Do is better than don't. Because the do's will also lead you to obey the don'ts. But if you focus on the don'ts, you can ignore the do's. If you focus on the do's, you can't ignore the don'ts. Jesus wants more for everyone in this room than not hurting people, than not being mean. He wants you to actively pursue the good of others and to not just try, but to do it as one great wise leader taught us. Do or do not. There is no try. Master Yoda. Do for others what we would want done for us. Do you remember the WWJD bracelets? What would Jesus do? It's a great question. It's an important question as we seek to follow Christ and to imitate him and obey him. But one scholar talking about this passage says, instead of WWJD, we should also have in our minds WWYW. What would you want? Look at what Jesus says. Whatever you want others to do for you, do the same for them. So whatever the scenario, Jesus says, what do you want? Sometimes we think, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to talk to them about this. I don't know how to confront about this. I don't know how to respond to this. Jesus says, yes, you do. What would you want? Let's think about it. Do you want to be let into traffic when you're running late and pulling onto a busy road? Yes. So Jesus would say, let people in. Don't inch closer and go, "Mm -mm, no, you're not getting in. Jesus says, let them in. Do you appreciate a solid bless you after you sneeze? Then say bless you after someone else's sneeze. Do you like it when your spouse sends a simple text message during the day that just says, I love you? Then you send one too. Do you need to be encouraged or discouraged after a failure, after a mishap, after a mistake? Then encourage others. And kids, do you like it when your siblings hog the video games? Don't give you a turn? No, of course not. So Jesus says, don't hog the Fortnite then. Don't hog the Netflix. Share the shows. Share the wealth. Jesus wants us to live this in all of life. And you can apply this in in a thousand ways because of the word whatever. Jesus puts no limits. He puts no restrictions on this. In whatever scenario in life, whatever you are facing, with whoever you are facing, Jesus says, treat them as you would want to be treated. What kind of tone do you want to be talked in? What kind of tone do you want to be talked to in when a hard conversation needs to be had? And don't spin it. We're so clever in our sin, aren't we? Oh, I'd want someone to be brutally honest with me. That's what I would want. No, you don't. (laughs) Nobody really wants that. You want the truth. We want honesty, but you want it in love. No one prefers cruelty over kindness. What kind of attitude do you wish your coworkers had towards you? Do that. We want help when we're in need. We don't want to be ignored. So we help. 
We, need, we want counsel, so we give counsel. Does anyone here prefer judgmental questions and accusations? No. So we, we prefer genuine care and love. Does anyone, would anyone prefer people just saying, I'm praying for you, instead of actually praying for you? No. So Jesus would say, actually pray for people. Don't just say, I'm going to pray for you, brother. I'm going to pray for you, sister. You're on my heart. No. To actually pray. Do you want to feel welcomed by others, or do you like feeling like you don't belong at places? No, we welcome others, because that's what we would want. Do you see? This changes how we interact in all of life, whether we're talking about politics, whether we're having disagreements or hard conversations. The things the world gets riled up about, we don't. And I could go on and on and on, but that really wouldn't be helpful. I could give all these scenarios, but what would happen is we would go, well, he didn't address my scenario. But Jesus did. Look at what Jesus says. Whatever, whatever you're facing, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. Actually do it. Jesus says, I want you to enter in. I want you to personalize it. You can't be passive here. Jesus invites you to take note of yourself and to treat others the same way. Whatever the situation, flip it. Turn the tables. Switch places. Walk in their shoes. You'd want to be forgiven. You'd want justice to be served. You'd want to be helped. You'd want to be cared for. You'd want to be loved. And one of the things that Jesus is doing here also is very slight, but you can't miss it. And sometimes we can hear commands like this and go, yeah, that's true. That's how we got to treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. But there is a bigness here that Jesus calls us to. There, you got to see the bigness of others. Look at what Jesus says. And you can see what Jesus says by what Jesus is not saying. Therefore, whatever you want fellow disciples to do for you. No, that's not what he says. Whatever you want other Christians to do for you. That's not what Jesus says. Whatever you want others. He leaves it generic for a reason. Because he doesn't want us to hem it in just as how Christians should treat one another. He wants us to see, here's how my disciples treat everyone else in the world. He's already talked to us in the Sermon on the Mount about loving our enemies, about not retaliating against those who don't like us. And Jesus doesn't limit his application of this either. All others, your spouse, parents, your siblings, your coworkers, a server at the restaurant, person on the other side of the customer service phone call, any other human being you interact with, Jesus says, I'm talking about them. And let's amp it up. Because then we go, yeah, my spouse, yeah, my kids, yeah, my friend at work. No, 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 let's amp it up to where it gets difficult. Because what are the situations Jesus has talked about? A Roman soldier slapping you in the face in chapter 6, chapter 5. An enemy, someone who would want to do you harm. So how about a spouse who didn't do what they said they would do? Something simple like, yeah, I'll do the dishes. And then you come home, hey, you didn't do the dishes. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Something happened, I got busy, the kids, and whatever. Whatever. How would you want to be talked to? 
treated. A selfish sibling. The sibling you have that always seems to take advantage of the parents, but you don't. Not just a coworker. How about an, a coworker that is so unlike you? Maybe an LGBT coworker. Not just a server at the restaurant, but a horrible server at the restaurant. The one where you feel like you got to give them a piece of your mind. The server at Chewy's who is so bad that you had to get up yourself and fill up your water. Them too, Jesus says. That person on the other end of the customer service phone call that you cannot understand and that is not helpful. Your super excited Trump in-laws. Or your super non-excited Trump in-laws. I don't care which side. It doesn't matter. Jesus says others. We like to add asterisks and clauses. Unless they're jerks. If they're jerks, they deserve it. And if, unless they're not like, if they're not like me, then I don't have to treat them the way I'd want to be treated. But Jesus banishes all restrictions we like to put on loving others, and here's why. Do you know why? The cross of Christ doesn't have any fine print on it. The bloody cross of the Lord Jesus does not have any fine print on it. Willing to save all sinners except LGBT. Except atheists. Except the neighbor with the really annoying kids. Except your in-laws who always love to overcorrect you in your parenting. Whatever the situation is, the Lord Jesus models for us how to love one another's beloved because the gospel shapes all of this for us. Because our God, listen, our God is a selfless and a self-giving God. What we have at Calvary is Jesus doing for us what he would want if he were in our shoes. Stranded, dead in our sin, without hope. Jesus sees our scenario. And as the eternal son of God, he doesn't just metaphorically go, I wonder what it's like to be in the shoes of a human being. He says, I will become a human being. I will, humble my point to the, I will humble myself to the point of death, even to death on a cross. I won't just wonder what it's like to be affected by sin. I will die for sin. I will have sin put on me, the Bible says, that he will become our sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. And as Jesus lies like a corpse and as a corpse in the tomb, his father looks at him and says, what would I want done from, for me if I were right there? I'd want resurrection. And his father raises him from the dead. And now Jesus looks at you and me and says, this is how to love others. Die to self and love them. Do for others what you would want done for yourself. And this fulfills the law and the prophets. Jesus says, I fulfilled the entire Old Testament for you. And now you can live it. He empowers you to live this, friends. In whatever difficult situation you're in, this is relevant. In whatever charged up or heated situation you are in, 
whatever uncomfortable social dynamic you're in, whatever situation at work, whatever with your kids, when you have to correct your kids, would you want to tell your kids, what are you, some kind of moron? Why would you do that? Is, is that how we'd want to be talked to? No. So we don't talk to them that way. Jesus gives us this to live it in all of life. Important things, unimportant things, critical things, even like a slice of cookie cake. The golden rule applies. So beloved, let's live these words from Christ. By faith in the risen Christ, because we are his. And we are bringing his kingdom all around this world. And we can show the world this is what the kingdom of Christ really looks like. Join us. Join our gracious Savior, and you'll find you get your dignity back again. Let's pray together. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.